It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced, white-knuckle racing. Just cross the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. Should just be one turn today. Uh, we're going to uh, recap the race at Daytona, talk about some of the headlines, including Kurt Busch uh, officially announcing his retirement and uh, some shenanigans that went on Saturday night at Eagle Raceway. And then uh, we will, <clears throat> excuse me, talk a little bit about the playoffs because of the results at Daytona and uh, some important stuff you need to know before Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the uh, Race Saver Nationals. So without further ado, <clears throat> excuse me, let's get into it. But first, if you guys are uh, getting that little rumble in your belly, make sure you head down and celebrate 16 years of Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. They are doing all-you-can-eat wings all week long, plus specials on boneless wings and uh, so much more. Uh, check out their Facebook page, Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs, for more details and information. In fact, I think they were going to announce... There and they haven't done it quite yet, at least not as of recording. So, uh, there's going to be a uh, Tesla, uh, I want to say Tesla exclusive, but you know, nothing's ever really exclusive, but a, a different type of um, trunk or treat, which uh, they're doing a normal classic car trunk or treat on uh, October 12th, and then I believe October 28th is the date for the Tesla. Trunk or treat, which I am encouraging them to call frunk or treat. We'll see what happens there, but uh, that's all going on in October and uh, so many different events going on. But again, 16th anniversary of them uh, opening up their doors and serving Council Bluffs and Omaha uh, and, of course, the Midwest. So check out their Facebook page for all of the details. Well, get in there and see what their project was last week. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see because I never did get a chance to get down there or uh, send a message over to Chris. Uh, to find out uh, what what exactly they were working on. So, headlines or results, and then headlines. Let's start with uh, headlines, and that'll kind of lead into results. So let's start where the news uh, kicked off when we ended last week. Uh, Kurt Busch had a very emotional uh, press conference with the media at Daytona, officially announcing his retirement from the Cup Series, and uh, just uh, I I watched the whole video. It, it was a it was a great send off and and it, I I felt it was kind of interesting I, I don't know if interesting is the right word but I guess what I kept thinking was boy what a uh, what a different guy he is from you know his first ten years in the sport to his last ten years in the sport he he really did hit rock bottom with you know all the stuff that went on around him with uh, fights and and uh, and getting fired from teams and. You know, multiple get, divorces. Yeah, getting hooked up with James Finch and and Phoenix Racing, and really that was kind of the rebirth of his career. And honestly, to me, I think that was what he did at at uh, at, at Phoenix Racing and Furniture Row Racing. Um, I think that proved that showed to me that he he really was an incredibly talented driver that was just hidden behind some some anger issues and. It was uh, really nice to see him late in his career get those resolved. Uh, I, I, it's unfortunate that his career ended uh, because of an injury at uh, Pocono, but um, 
a great uh, press conference. Did you get a chance to watch that, Dirk? I saw. I don't know if I saw the whole thing, but I saw a pretty good portion. I might have seen the whole thing. I mean, I watched a lot. I just don't know if it was front to back. So it was about sixteen minutes, and uh, so you might have missed just the end of it because in the video I watched, he does stand up and walk off, and the crowd kind of uh, collapsed for a little bit, but. Uh, sounds like he is going to stay with 2311 for the time being, being kind of a mentor role and helping those guys out, which is a great role, a, a great asset for Denny Hamlin and those guys over at 2311. Because with Bubba and Tyler, they they really don't have a, a, a veteran like him. I mean, yeah, you got Denny, but he's also kind of focused on what he's trying to do in the 11 car and uh, what his contract is going on, too. So to have somebody that's outside of the car and and can give a different perspective than Denny, I think that's uh, that's that's key for those guys. Well, and Tyler Reddick's been successful enough in his short career. Um, there might be a spot or two where that really helps, but uh, the thing that impressed me about the guy is up until he got hurt, he was still relevant in a race car. Yeah, exactly. You know, he wasn't Jimmy Johnson at the end of his career. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Jimmy became irrelevant the last couple of years. Unfortunately, guy won a ton of races, you know, ton mm-hmm. of championships, none of that. You can't take that away from the guy. Yeah. But, you know, what he's doing, jacking around now, trying to run three or four races a year, to me is, it's an insult to himself. Yeah. Uh, I, I I could see that, you know, he's got the, uh, the ability, so he wants to go out there and run a little bit. But, yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. And I, I watched it with Tony Stewart, who, uh, you know, obviously my favorite driver for a very long time. It was tough watching Tony at the, at the end of his career that he'd fallen off just enough that uh, it, it it was tough to watch him race. Um, and, you know, I, I can think back to um, Dale Jarrett uh, kind of fell off at the end of his career. And, you know, it, this just happens. Uh, guys just they're performing on a level that we just cannot conceive of. And eventually the talent level, the reaction times, uh, they slow down just enough that everyone just goes, just gets so much faster than them. Yeah. Well, I, the way Tony Stewart is drag racing right now, I don't think that's the case. His was more of a mental deal with Mm -hmm. that sprint car thing up in New York, I think than anything else, because reaction time is all drag racing is, and he's winning races. Yeah. I don't think anything slowed down on him, but I think for a few years after that deal up there, um, I think his head was just wasn't in the right spot. I I can only imagine. I mean it, oh. and and God, I I I could it, it, it just what he had to go through, it, just heartbreaking. I mean, it, people could say whatever they want about him that that he was an asshole, and he was that he was a jerk, and he oh. was or could be. Could be. Um, I think that's a key key thing. No one deserves to have to deal with that. I mean, it's it just terrible. Oh, I'm sure he had nightmares and maybe still has them. Um, hopefully, if things got that bad for him, he sought some help, you know, yeah. uh, professionally. Uh, but, you know, he, he found, you know, evidently the love of his life and, you know, has decided to start trying – to race, you know, in another discipline. And like I said, mm-hmm. he's like every other thing he's ever got in and behind the wheel of, he's, you know, competitive and he's a winner. So you uh, know, I don't, yep. I don't think he was out of it by any means, except mentally. So let's uh, transition. I think that's really all the news that I've got as far as uh, uh, NASCAR is concerned. 
You got anything else maybe that I'm missing? No, we got Kansas Speedway coming up. I mean, the chase is starting. Obviously, we're going to talk about that in a couple of days. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it uh, uh, made for an interesting race Saturday night. And evidently, you had interesting things down at Eagles. So, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some things on Facebook that I don't know if it relates to that or not. But I'm sure we're going to find out here in a second. <laughs> Let's talk about the results at, at Daytona. I, I don't I don't think it's important for us to run down everything. Uh, Chris Buescher gets the win. It, it was his uh, second win of the year. Third. Third win of the year, excuse me. Um, so no new winner. Uh, Bubba was able to point his way in. Chase, unfortunately, although putting on a, a valiant effort, just not able to uh, to get around and, and get the win. And he, he had a nice post-race conference uh, interview that, uh, you know, we kind of talked about the same thing. He said, our, we just... We weren't in the right position at the end of the race. Uh, we're able to help. get it done. He didn't have any help. Busher yeah. had the help. He was teammate on his back bumper. And um, the way the race scored out, I don't know if you noticed it, but that's got to be the weirdest scoring sheet points-wise I've seen all year. Winner gets 40 points, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what Busher got. He got no no, cha- or no stage points. Mm-hmm. Brad Keselowski runs second and had 45 points yep those are the only two guys above 40 points <laughs> yeah uh yeah that's and, and that's weird. what happens when the big one takes out a lot of the uh early contenders and early finishers in the stage you know it was just bizarre yeah but... the other couple of things i wanted to talk about boy what a hard hit for uh ryan blaney i kept showing that up in the booth uh while we were we were calling the races at eagle and i saw that it, it just to watch how much the wall flexed did its job the the safer barrier wall how much that thing flexed when ryan blaney hit that and it's still it's I, I get all the dynamics behind it and and that it does it i just my brain does not click as to how you can be what do you 10 feet 12 feet away from that wall when you're on the inside line like he is Maybe a little bit more. Yeah, you're probably, I'm going to say 15 to 20 feet. How you can get that much force by getting just tapped and turned and then slam into the wall like that is is just crazy to me. It's it's forward momentum, so it's carrying you into the wall. But man, it just, I, I never would have guessed that it would be that heavy of a hit when you get turned like that. Yeah, and yeah, you don't really... You know, if he got his foot to the brake pedal, you know, to try and hit the brake pedal, I'd be amazed. I don't think he had enough time to no. even do that. No. So, yeah. Um, uh, obviously, he scrubbed off a few mile an hour from his 195 or so that he was going, 194, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, but he still probably made contact with the wall at a buck 80 plus. And, yeah. uh, you know, but the wall did its job exactly what it's supposed to do, just as the car did its job for Ryan Priest. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they said he went went over 10 times or 12 times. I don't remember which number I heard. Somebody told me 10 and a half, but he was on all four, so it had to have been a full roll. Right. So yeah, either 10 or 11, I, I, I didn't count it. Somebody said they did, and they saw 10. Well, I heard somebody say, I couldn't remember if they said 10 or 12, so let's go with 10. Um, but, uh, uh, his landing is lucky since he landed on his tires, 
that it wasn't from clear up in the air, you know, because then it had been the sprint car deal to his back type syndrome. Yeah. Um, so he, he was lucky in that aspect. Um, he didn't seem real wobbly on his feet. I mean, I was watching the live feeds, so uh, I he must have complained a little bit about something hurting for them to go check him out and keep him overnight for observation. Yeah, it said that you he know. was uh, kept overnight at Halifax uh, for observation, I believe, released the next day. Yeah, yeah, I know all that. But, you know, they never really said why he was kept. So there was something in his demeanor when they got him outside of the car because he stood right up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not like they were, you know, holding him up or you see some guys get out of the car and sit right down or something like that. He was standing there for several moments talking to him. Yeah. This must have been something in his demeanor that they said, go ahead and lay down on the stretcher and let's go get you checked out. Scary so, wreck there. Do you think they will? Because to me, I'm putting the blame on that grass in the infield. The car is sticking to the ground until it hits that grass and then it just starts to take air. Do you think they, they start to consider to remove that grass in the infield or in the uh, in the. Yeah, you want to call it an infield between pit road and, and the racetrack? Well, he was on the back straightaway, so it wasn't okay. on the front straightaway. Well, do you think they start to re- they they start to consider removing that grass? I I don't know. Um, they've got a lot of asphalt there, but um, Talladega they've removed ninety nine percent of it mm-hmm. down the back straightaway. I don't know if Daytona is going to do that or not. It's not near as much room as what they have at Talladega, um, but. The grass, obviously, it was at night, so I'm sure the grass was just a touch damp. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be like, I'm not saying the track by any means was wet, but, you know, at night in Daytona, down there with the humidity, the, the dew would have probably been starting to form on the grass. So, um, at that point, you're, you know, you're on a sheet of ice, and the grass isn't as smooth as what you're going to make a piece of asphalt. So you hit one little dip and the car rocks a little bit. Well, up it goes, you know, right. Um, I didn't look close enough at the replay to see if he hit one of those access roads. And that's what sent him in the air. It looked to me like he came off the track and onto one of those access roads perfectly. And then as the access road ended that air between that the the level difference between the grass and the road is what allowed that air to get underneath the car and start to lift it yeah and that very well could be what happened so yeah i'm, I'm just watching yeah, it again now thanks it. to after a look at the car obviously they did take the car back to the r&d center and uh they took that one who else did they take they took almirola's car the 10 mm. those are the two cars i think they took back to the r&d center yeah from what i right. remember reading that, that grass is not there for any other reason, reason than cosmetic. And, you know, it, it's probably a hell of a lot cheaper to have and maintain than asphalt would be if you got to replace that asphalt every, you know, so many years because of it just natural wear and tear from the weather. So I, I just wonder if NASCAR won't look at that. And, and this is one of those situations that, you know, God forbid, we may be talking in a couple of years about a driver that had the exact same situation and wasn't able to walk away from it. And, we could be saying to NASCAR, you guys have had plenty of footage over the years that that grass is causing these cars to go over, and you could have done something about it, but you didn't. Yeah, well, until you can determine positively that it's the grass that caused it, yeah, 
you know, you can't say anything close to that, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, they've got all that asphalt and stuff at the end of pit road. All of, there's a lot of it at the beginning of pit road. Um, you know, before you actually hit the pit road wall, you've got that wall going down uh, towards turn three and four down there. And uh, that asphalt goes down there a long ways. Yeah. Not ten or twelve feet. I'm saying it probably goes down there a hundred yards. It's it's a big set of piece of asphalt, and we've seen wrecks there too. One of the cars the other night, and the big one hit the wall in that area. But uh, yeah, it, you know, he walked away. Um, they'll do their inspection of the car. Uh, the car didn't look like it came apart. You know, I mean, it had some body panels hanging off and stuff, but the rear end looked intact. Uh, you know, the, the front of the car looked pretty much intact, uh, as far as chassis and everything. Um, obviously the body was all mangled and everything, but, uh, you know, I think the car did its job unless there's something inside that you couldn't see, you know, maybe a, a hoop crushed on, you know, the, above the windshield or something mm -hmm. in the main cage, but I don't think that would be the case. So. Well, after the results, uh, the playoff reset for NASCAR is uh, is all ready to go. By the way, uh, you kind of touched on a little bit. Post-race inspection was perfectly fine. Uh, the 41 and the 10 went back to the R&D center. 41 for safety evaluation. The 10 will go back to the chassis for a chassis inspection. Uh, we'll wait for any potential penalties. Coming up, uh, what usually is announced on Tuesday, um, and then we will do our points reset for the for the uh, Rick Havenridge Pickens contest after we know that there's no penalties and everything's all set in stone and we can we can move forward. I think I'll probably end up doing that Wednesday night, so that will take effect. I think the problem with the delay is that they usually don't do a reset until the following race. You had that problem earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, when the pick uh, got selected wrong for you and then i went back and fixed it but it didn't correct it until the following week i believe uh no it it had it corrected by like friday okay. i think okay well it's it, it, so just keep in mind that the reset may not actually show up until after sunday's race so uh just bear with that one but uh, Willie B will be uh, the number one seed for the championship. Then it's uh, Truex, Hamlin, Busher, Bush, Larson, Bell, Chastain, Keselowski, Reddick, Logano, and Blaney. Those are your top 12. The four cars thought, that are on what? I was going to say, I thought Willie B and Martin Truex Jr. tied. Oh, you're right. Yeah, but because Willie uh, Byron's got five wins to Truex's three, he's seated a little bit higher. Okay, there you go. Uh, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Kevin Harvick, and Bubba Wallace are the four cars in the elimination round. Uh, we will race um, Darlington, Kansas, and then Bristol. And at Bristol, we will eliminate the four back ca cars. Uh, well, you can't, you can't say those four cars are in the elimination round. Right now, they're they're the four car, the four back cars, but right. yeah, this because isn't the elimination race. I mean, you could eliminate Byron, Truex, and who's ever in Hamlin the first uh, round. Well, we've watched uh, what Larson do it, where he went to two races in a row, blew an engine right at the beginning of the race, walked away with a point or two, and got eliminated from the round because he wasn't able to recover from that. And and he had a really, really decent uh, playoff going. Well, he, I, he had a, a real a great season going. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that was in the round of of uh, of 12 that he did that. Right. Right. Because one of the races was at Kansas Speedway. Yeah. So a lot can happen and uh, we'll see what does happen uh, early on. Wh- who are you thinking uh, are the four cars that that'll get eliminated at the end of these next three races? Well, unlike a million other people, I think Bubba's year has been consistent enough that he's probably going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick were very consistent, but never won. Um Ricky Stenhouse won, but has no business being there other than that. So you're putting I him down. He, yeah, I would say he's one of the four that goes out, but you never know. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I don't think Christopher Bell's been very competitive the last two months, so I wouldn't be surprised if he disappears. Okay. Um, Tyler Reddick has been terrible the last six weeks. Again, he's a guy that can win just about anywhere. But he just hasn't shown that. Yeah. Um, and I think last year he went out early, if I'm not mistaken. But Ross Jastain hasn't done much in the last several weeks. He's really cooled off from the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, the second half of the season for him, it hasn't been very impressive. But again, you know, um, maybe they've been doing a lot of experimenting at some of these tracks, trying, you know, know they were in the playoffs and I'll go back to their notebook. Yeah, uh, I would say Stenhouse is going to go home. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I will say either Ross Chastain or Tyler Reddick. One of those two will be a surprise and go home. I think Christopher Bell will go home. Oh, heck. Um, And I'm going to say Harvick. Mm. Because I don't think he's done much the second half of the season. He was on fire in the middle of the year. I mean, uh, RFK cars have been blistering it the last six weeks. Yeah. Bush has got three wins in the last five races. Yeah. You know, um, and Keselowski's been right there. So I'll guarantee you if Keselowski had needed a win, he'd have got it the other night. <laughs> Busher would have pulled over and let the boss win to put I it in. I don't, I don't buy into that. I don't think so. I I'm a hundred percent sure of it. Keselowski would have made a move down, you know, coming to the finish line and Busher wouldn't have blocked him. He'd have let him go. Mm. And NASCAR couldn't have proved it any different. I don't think so. Brad Keselowski is cut from the the cloth of uh, Chris better make sure uh, he wins that race. And cause he'd want it to be in his, he'd, he'd want it to be that way. He's, He's not the kind of guy that's that's going to encourage anybody to pull over and let him win. Um, uh, e- even if it's a selfishness, I I just don't think I don't think that uh, Brad would ever encourage any of his drivers to pull over and let somebody win, even if it's him. Well, it's, it, you say any of his drivers, it's like he's got sixty three of them. There's just one other one, and he was already in the playoffs for a, a chance for a shot into the playoffs for sponsor dollars and all that stuff. He makes a move and Busher lets him go. Doesn't try and block him. Keeps him right, you know, next to him and loses yep. by a, a fender. I I think you got a valid argument. I just I I don't agree with it. I just think I don't think so. I don't think people are pulling over and letting people win like that. It, it, that happened at Darlington years ago with Michael Waltrip Racing, and I think the the NASCAR uh, NASCAR and the other teams just 
that that's a that's a bad taste in their mouth. And and those guys did it way more blatant than I think you would we would have expected RFK to do. Yeah, and it wasn't at Darlington, it was at Richmond. Ah, damn it, sorry. But uh no, I and since it wasn't a, a win or go home deal for Brad, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. But if it would have been a win or go home deal, everything that's involved and at stake, if he makes a move on his teammate, you know, nobody's gonna know it. You know, there ain't nobody that could prove otherwise. You know, now if, they, if NASCAR could have proved, I'll listen to the radio. Yeah. Hey, or the Chris, telemetry. Brad go by. <laughs> yeah, or the telemetry where all of a sudden he lifts and, and uh, he's been running at 100% throttle, but he's running at 75 all of a sudden when his boss pulls out. Yeah. You could look at that data and you can, I mean, it's just like Denny has tweeted out before uh, when him and whoever got into the wreck that all of a sudden that steering wheel went way right. And that it hadn't for the last, you know, 50 laps or whatever. Uh, All right. My four, I'm really struggling for the last two. I think Michael McDowell is going home. Um, They've had a really good couple of weeks, but unfortunately there's no road courses in this round. And um, I think that's really where they, they, they strive. Uh, I think you're right on Stenhouse and I'm going to go bell. Uh, I think my fourth is probably going to be Ryan Blaney. He, he just seems to be having a really unlucky year and they, they just seem to end up with these weird issues that prevent them from having a good run. So that's my four McDowell Stenhouse bell and Blaney. All right. That's our Daytona recap. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about what happened at Eagle on Saturday. Cause uh, I still, I still can't really fully process what happened and, I meant to go back and watch the uh, advantage racing replay and just try to try to uh, understand it again. And I, I'm talking more in the, the stock car class than anything. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Cause I haven't seen any films, but the only place I can think that there would have been a whole bunch of stuff happening would have been the stock car. So, so this starts two weeks ago uh, on August 19th when, uh, we're going into the points night and Dylan Richards has got a great lead over. Uh, I don't know who was in second place at the time, if it was Nate Thompson or not, but um, Dylan had a seven, no eight wins on the year uh, going into the night, uh, but didn't have the points championship locked up with 80 points avo- available in two points nights. Uh, I think he had like a 30 or 40 point lead. Oh, it would have been a 30 some point lead. Uh, goes out and runs the race, ends up winning the race, but uh, gets uh, during tech inspection, runs into some issues. And Dirk, for the life of me, I cannot remember what I told you the issue was. Wheelbase. Thank you. The wheelbase was off. So I was told by tech officials that he was off by an inch on both sides. According, I, I ended up talking to the tech officials uh, this Saturday because you had a clarification question about that was that the the penalty called for a, th- a two-position penalty. Uh, the the infraction called for a two-position penalty. So at the start, Dylan was penalized back to third place. So he wouldn't have got the win, but he'd gotten third place. And I believe he'd have been mathematically locked in to win the championship had he walked away at that point. Um, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But talking to the tech officials and uh, PJ Pedersen, the pit reporter, the things he said in anger were inexcusable, 
And uh, he just wouldn't let it go. And finally, the tech official turned around and said, you're either going to walk away or you're going to get disqualified. And he kept screaming at him. So he turns around and says, fine, you're disqualified. So Dylan was disqualified from that night's event, received no points. And when we went into Saturday night, he was three points behind Nate Thompson. What happened that night, uh, Saturday night at Eagle for the final points night on the 26th, is something you really do kind of need to just go back on Advantage Racing and watch. Because the way it unfolded, you really can't write this in the storybooks. Dylan is involved in an accident early on, and he has to go to the rear because he brought out the caution. I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe he got spun, or at least he felt like he got spun. And the race officials felt the same way because him and the other driver were sent to the rear. So now Nate Thompson is running top four, and Dylan needs to win the race with Nate still in fourth in order to to win the championship. So Dylan's got a long ways to go. Starts to make his way to the front. Caution comes out again for him, and he is not removed from the race. Now, before... There has been a, uh, you caused two cautions and you're done. And it was actually enforced earlier that night. It wasn't enforced this time. Two cautions and a feature and they're throwing them out? Yes. When, when, okay. when you cause two cautions, especially in a feature like we were having, they, they called time limit on this race. Because it was, it, we just could not get anything done. It was a lap and a caution. It was... Not even completing any lap at a caution. Literally, I think the first 20, 15 minutes of the race, we might have completed five laps. So one of the driver earlier in the race was already in the stock car A feature was was told uh, that's two, you're done. So he he was they were they were asked to leave the track. Dylan was not. And um then we go back to racing, cut more cautions, and then I did not see what the caution was called on, but after that caution. The race director came over and said, 24R, I'm sorry, that's your third caution. Your night is done. Nate, who would be your track champion, was starting to have fueling issues and the car was off. The car was missing or it just didn't have, it wasn't getting the right fuel. So it was sputtering down the speed, down the straightaways. Dylan stays out on the racetrack and um, continues to race, even though every time the caution comes out or things get slowed back down again, um, that the race director reminds him 24 R you're no longer being scored. You're done. I'm sorry, you're, but you're done. And then the final caution was the 24 R wrecking the car that wrecked him, that he felt wrecked him earlier in the night, earlier in the a feature. And they ended up in a pile in turn four and then punches were thrown. So Dylan Richards was disqualified from the night. And unfortunately for Dylan, his temper got to him again, but also Jim Standard of IMCA, who took over, I believe, took over for Tom Gatowski as competition director. Jim was in the scorer's booth and told Roger he he feels that Dylan's uh, Dylan needs to be punished for this, which he would turn that information into IMCA. Dylan would then receive, I believe, a, a monetary fine and a one-year suspension from all IMCA competition. Um. It just it's it's unfortunate. And I, I've watched that whole thing unfold for the last two weeks. And I I just want to say, Dylan, if you're listening, I've, I've had nothing against you. I've always enjoyed you. Watch you racing. Watch you race in a sport compact. Uh, you're you did completely deserve all the talent. I mean, you've got all the talent in the world. You're one of the best dirt, dirt drivers right now out there. Um, it just it, it really sucked to watch this talented young man 
lose it all because of his temper. And I could not help but watching Kurt Busch do his his press conference and think that Dylan's going through the exact same thing that, that Kurt Busch went through early in his career. Just could not handle his temper. I, I felt like it was important to talk about it because um, uh, it's it was just a, a, a series of events. And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there as far as what happened on the, the 19th for him to get penalized and then disqualified. And then what happened the next night and, and all that. But if him and, and the other car, and I'm not saying it for a reason, because I don't want to smear the other car's name. If the other car really did hit him and take him out, that's unfortunate. But then Dylan loses all argument when he retaliated and wrecked both cars and really ruined any chance. I, I really felt like at the end of that, if he had just finished the race, he could have gone up and made his case with Jim Standard and Roger Hayden and said, you know, made his case and said, this is what I believe happened. And, and this is why I shouldn't have been disqualified. And they may have reversed that decision and given him his position back. I don't know. But as soon as you take out the other car, you got nothing, no leg to stand on. Well, I don't think they would have reversed anything because there are too many people monitoring that stuff. And, you know, whether he went 8, 10, 12 laps, however far he went in the race, technically black flag, mm-hmm. they weren't going to change that. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're probably absolutely right. I guess my argument is if you don't take out the other car and you finish the race, you at least have a chance to, to make your case. After you take that car out, you don't have a chance. You're, you're done. <laughs> you've just you've ruined any any argument, any appeal, anything you ever got. Well. I mean, again, I wasn't there, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I've got nothing against Dylan. I've met him a handful of times. And- yeah, he came. He came down and uh, and did the the triple atomic challenge with. Well, he did a portion of it with Jordan Grabowski and I. <laughs> he did the backdoor challenge. <laughs> <laughs> he took some of the sauce out of the bowl and and ate it with a fry, and it didn't phase him at all. But, I was pretty impressed. But he's. Um, it's just. It's. It sucks because there's a couple of guys that after Saturday night, I was really happy for Drake Bullmeyer, the 24 sport mod, uh, got a win. He's been trying for so long and he finally got a win. I was really happy for him, really happy for Adam Verbka for getting the track championship when he's been so close for so long. These are the guys that, you know, Brad Schreiner, who won the the uh, hobby stock, a Brad has been so close so many times this year and he finally got the win. And there were so many great stories that night. And, I just, you know, I want so much good for Dylan Richards and and taking nothing away from Nate Thompson. He he did what he had to do all season long to be in position to win that championship and and he did. Um and uh and, and oh by the way, uh when the caution was thrown and Nate pulled off the racetrack and Dylan was informed that uh he was disqualified, uh he was Dylan was two spots behind uh, Nate, if if things would have just kept going and Dylan wouldn't have lost his temper, he'd have easily passed Nate and won the championship. But again, it just I guess my whole point is it just sucks that that it all got ripped away from Dylan to his own fault. It's all his temper that did it. If he had just walked away last Saturday and bit his tongue and not yelled at the official, not done that, he'd be the track champion. It'd be all said and done. Well, hopefully, hopefully others will learn. You know, from this scenario, I mean, this is said, you know, this is over and done. This yeah. is history. Yep. The only thing that's left to decide is if Rogers submits the penalty to IMCA. I talked to him in the pits afterwards and he really didn't want to do it because it's that's a that's a tough thing to tell a driver that you're not allowed to race any IMCA sanctioned event for a year. 
you know, in, in this world where we're hurting for, for drivers, for pit crews, for, for, for talent, for excitement, for all of this stuff, losing one driver and, and, and Rogers, if, if Rogers looking at it and saying that if I penalize this guy, he can't come back to my track. That's pit passes each week. That's fans in the grandstands that are going to be coming. It's tough to do really tough. I, I believe it's really tough to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I made tough calls when I was doing tech work, but to me that they were always black and white calls. Yeah. And that's what I've always liked about you is that it it's oftentimes I'll look at the degrees and, and, and try to make the decision. And then I, I, I if I got a huff, tough decision, I like to come to you. Cause you're like, well, no, this is, it's, it's black and white. It's plain and simple. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I know you're right. <laughs> I don't like talking to you about those things sometimes because I know what you're going to tell me. (laughs) Well, I mean, I take it all the way back to when, you know, 40 years ago when I was coaching Little League football. I was coaching kids football when I was 18 years old. And I had the advantage of coaching that I didn't have a kid playing. Yeah. I got accused of it playing. I was 20 years old. I'm coaching 10-year-olds. And I had a father come up here. Well, I know your kid plays all the time. Oh shit! I got a kid. <laughs> Which one is he? <laughs> All right, so let's move forward. Uh, uh, I apologize if I left out any details. If you guys want to watch the whole situation unfold, Advantage Racing uh, has the have all has all the coverage. EagleRaceway.tv. They're going to have all the coverage for the next couple of days for the Race Saver Nationals. Speaking of that, we're going to get you set for that plus so much more on Thursday's podcast. It's going to be another quick one. We're not going to have a guest, but we are going to have special episodes coming out at the racetrack uh, on, uh, I believe, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday as we do interviews with the winners. All the publications will go out on social media and all that stuff. So continue to support the front stretch. Get out to Joe's Carding and Quaker Steak and Lube. For Dark Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been the front stretch. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. Quaker Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs continues to offer the best wings, burgers, and steaks seven days a week, along with great daily specials. Mondays are Kids Night, where kids eat for just 99 cents with the purchase of an adult entree. Tuesdays is All You Can Eat Wings Night for just $17. Enjoy a half rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 on Wednesdays, and you choose on Thursdays for just $12. You can pick between 15 fried shrimp, a pickup cheeseburger, 15 breaded wings, or six boneless wings. Check out Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs on Facebook for all their daily specials. Get too quick to steak and lube.